Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All righty. Sunday morning, I'm going to continue preach on uh, faith. And uh, so uh, tonight I want to preach on. We've been talking about being delivered from the present evil of this world. Last week, we started talking on how to make sure we stay free from demonic activity. And believe me, devils are real. And you may not want to hear it. You may not want to preach about it. But the Bible said, the disciples said, who did this? And the problem today is many followers of Christ don't know who is who and who's doing what. And so we make our congregations the prey of ignorance. Nobody should be ignorant of their enemy. Nobody should be ignorant of who God is and who the enemy is and who their self is. And so we as Christians have the obligation, the responsibility to know our enemy, to know our God that we may do great exploits and to know ourself that we can bring that person into submission to the gospel of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 9, 27 on down. So there are three identities that you need to be very aware of and how to deal with each and how to control each. Sometimes you're rebuking the devil when it has nothing to do with the devil. It's just a lust of your flesh jumping up. And uh, you need to tame that. And you need to correct it and have in your hand and in your mind a ready action of retribution against that rebellion. And sometimes that causes uh, fasting and so forth. David said, I afflicted my own soul. And sometimes you have to apply correction to your own self in a way that you'll stop that rebellion. If you do nothing with it, rebuke the wrong person, then what's going to happen is your flesh is going to realize it has an access because of your ignorance and your lackadaisicalness. Now, I know the church doesn't like to hear that stuff, but it's time that we have to grow up, folks. We are coming to an end, and the battle is being arraigned right now. And we are going to be in the center of that battle, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's going to, of course, rapture the church. But if you think it's going to be all hallelujah until then, it's not. It is not. There is an aggressive assault not only of the devil, but of those that are of his kingdom to eradicate faith from this earth. Jesus said, when I come back, will I have faith? Uh, will I find faith? He didn't ask about cars. He didn't ask about houses. didn't ask about your sweet to-doodle to your churches. He asked, will I find faith? And if you don't deal with the adversary and yourself, faith is going to become a shadow of what it should be in your life if you ever hold on to it. So, uh, we're going to learn some things. That, uh, last week, we started discovering things that will invoke doorways to spiritual activity. And, uh, you know, we talked last week about uh, lifestyles. Lifestyles are attractants. You ever wonder why uh, women can marry one alcoholic get out from under a life of abuse and turn right around and marry another one. And because they are attractants, and if you don't get a self-image of yourself and start wanting something more and expecting more, you'll always attract roaches. Amen. There's only one way to get rid of roaches, and that's just to burn the house down. Hallelujah. So, uh, but we talked about lifestyles being attractive. Words are attracted. You know, life and death are in the power of your tongue. The Bible tells us not to speak negatively about our brothers or sisters, but that we are to speak with grace in our hearts. But when we speak negative about anybody, what we do is we don't open just the door to them. We open the door to ourselves because what you sow is what you reap. And so your words are very powerful. If you don't believe me, start listening to uh, music that you used to listen to when you used to get high and see how that exalts your, your spirit. Well, well, that's music. 
That's words with the tune. Pretty uh, associations that we might talk about tonight are things that attract. Uh, unfaithfulness, uh, negligence, all those types of things are expressions of weakness. And remember, the devil is like a roaring lion. He is drawn to weakness. He's going to find who he can devour. So it's important that we protect basic Christian fundamental uh, responsibilities in our life. And if we don't, then somebody's going to move into the place that God should have in us. We are not just a body looking for a spirit. We're a body that a spirit is looking for. Uh, understand that. God is looking. His eyes are running to and fro. And the devil's going about right like a roaring lion. There are two entities that are looking to use you in this earth. And you get to choose, and each one of them has a responsibility. Amen? All right. So let's turn to Luke 21 and verse 31. Luke 21, 31. This is a young man named Peter, reflective of most of us, declaring what he'd like to have happen just simply not being able to... Uh, oh, I'm sorry, it's Luke 22. 22, 31 through 32. But he doesn't have the inward strength to resist opportunities that run cross-grain with Jesus. And it says this, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, and that he may sift you... As wheat, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Here we see something very unique. We're going to be talking about three stages that lead to demonic depression, uh, demonic possession. And believe me, people can be demon possessed. And uh, so, But here in this passage of Scripture, what we see is this. Even believers can be influenced, manipulated, deceived, lied to, and coaxed into a place of opposition with God thinking they're right. That means every believer can be set up to be used by the devil to thwart, to overthrow, to destroy God's plan and God's purpose. Jesus certainly did not need the devil telling him that he shouldn't do what God told him to do. He needed an encouraging word. So that might be maybe the first indication that the devil's leading you or using you to oppose God's will is that you're a discourager and not an encourager. That you're a negative influence instead of a exalting or encouraging influence. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious here. Now, Peter was not possessed. It doesn't say that Peter was depressed. And, uh, and it doesn't say that, that he was uh, oppressed. It simply means that people can be used when they don't watch out what they're doing. Could he get an amen? Absolutely. Now, we know that Peter was dedicated to the Lord. We know that if you go to the uh, Martin's book of, of, uh, of uh, martyrs, that Peter was crucified upside down because he refused to die in any equality or self-expression like Christ in his life. And he was crucified upside down. We know that Peter said that he would go any place to die with Jesus. What a sellout heart. And Jesus knew what was going to take place, but he also discerned something in Peter that Peter was being used by the devil. Could have get an amen. Jesus even says, you know what, Satan, you get behind me. You desire the things of God and not the things of man and not the things of God. Now, this was all a ploy set up by the devil to destroy Peter's faith. And so we have to be careful 
and never ever get so smug in our Christianity that we think that we cannot be seduced by the devil. The truth must be dear to us. Amen? Its application must be true. And we must not lean to our natural senses. We need to be awakened under what righteousness is all about so that we can ward off sin. Could it get an amen? And so we see that anybody, anybody can be used by the devil if they're not careful. Don't ever let the devil seed you with what he thinks of a situation. Never ever discourage somebody's faith. Never ever discourage or cause them to believe beyond their capacity. We are not their governors. We are their brothers and sisters, helpers in Christ. Amen? So let's not become the instrument of the devil because it can happen. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, and verse 4. I'm sorry, I got somebody reading this, don't I? Where, where is that person? Hey, there you go. Hey, thank you. Read that for me, Sue. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 10. There are, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same gift. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. And there are different kinds of workings, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now, to teach one manifestation to the Spirit is to given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous power. To another, prophecy. And to another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. There we see the list of 12 gifts. Notice that there is a gift of discernment of spirits. Not the discernment of people. Not suspicion. This is a real gift. This is a gift that unveils the world of where we are a part of and a place where we live. It is an opening of the veil, and so it's a discerning of spirits or an enablement to be made aware or to see with the human eye or to see with the mind a spirit or spiritual activity that God desires for you to see. It is not self-activated. It is God-activated, and he divides these gifts, and he allows them to function in our life. Now, you will become familiar with certain gifts, and they'll function very readily in your life and so forth. But God decides what gift will operate in what situation. And so we have the discerning of spirits. How did Jesus know Peter just wasn't lifting off? That his words were demonically infused and framed for a purpose of destruction. How did Jesus know that? Discerning of spirits, absolutely. Discerning of spirits. Now, the discerning of spirits reveals to us if there, are, if there is or are spiritual activities. The, discerning, the gift of discerning of spirits operates basically in four ways. It discerns God, his movement, and his will, as well as his voice and his word. And then it discerns the spirit of man. That you discern a call of man or the condition of man, or whatever it might be, that God would discern that to you. Not that we need to know. If God desires for us to know, then we will know. And then there is the portion of that that reveals to us what is demonic and what is not demonic, whether there is spiritual influence involved or not. And then the other is there is a discerning that unveils angelic movement to us. If you see an angel or something like that, 
That is a discerning of spirits. How many of you know that God is, is everywhere? You, you believe God's in this place right now? Really? And if you feel him right now? Well, some of you got it. But if God came in here and we started worshiping God, God would probably begin to uncloak us of our natural senses and we would begin to experience his presence. Now, you would get goosebumps. You would feel his presence. You would respond differently. But God is here all the time. But unless it is a discerning of spirits that comes down in a place of a worship service or a place of ministry or something like that, God can be everywhere and you are totally oblivious to it. Totally oblivious to it. Some place, sometimes you go into a place and say, I perceive that God is here. You know, Jesus told us that we would use those in our everyday relationships. If you enter into a house and the peace of God is there, how do you know that? Well, they, they've got a, a lilac in the air. No, it's not oils. It is a presence. Could I get an amen? And so, it is a discerning of spirits that unveils this to us. Sometimes when people are getting prayed for, they fall under the spirit. Uh, out under the spirit, what happened? God unveiled and something transformed from the realm of the spirit to the realm of the natural. And they had a reaction to it. Some people run. All, all types of things happen when the presence of God comes on them. And we think, well, I wonder what they're running about. Look beyond the runner. Something has transpired in his moment or her moment, and God is doing something in their life. And so that is a response to it. But it is a discerning of spirits that you and I need to have. Could again, get an amen? Uh, uh, going along with these gifts of the Spirit is that we need to make sure that we discern people's spiritual condition and their motives and let me say their weaknesses or their strengths the reason that we need that is because whoever you begin to associate with will begin to have an effect upon you and this doesn't just do with one member it does with a whole congregation one person in sin can affect a congregation over time. That's why it's important that we watch one another and that we judge those that are within, not criticize them. We judge them for their well-being, not to judge them to make them like us. God knows he don't need two of us. Come on, our spouses are struggling with one of us, let alone two of us. No church needs two of you, and no church needs two of me. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you that. So, we understand that these associations start breeding activities or actions, quirks, ways of thinking, ways of talking and the things that we allow in our lives are greatly influenced by the people that we associate with. Amen. It, and if we don't watch it, what happens is, and we don't discern these things, they come in so subtly, just like they did on Peter. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1 down through 12, it talks about how a man was committing fornication with his father's wife. And doesn't mean that he was his mother. It was his father's wife, which was forbidden under the law. And yes, the law is good because without the law, that man never would have known that he had sinned and the church would never have known that they were being polluted by sin. So when people say, we're not under the law, well, you are under its government. You're not under it to work out righteousness, but you are governed by the law. Now, what is, what is the law? What is sin? Transgression of what? 
The law. You wouldn't even have to be answerable to sin if there was no law. Now, so this young man marries his father's wife. What an idiot. Anyway, you, he marries his wife. And the church is totally acceptable. Now, I will say this about the Corinthian church, that they were respondent to correction. They didn't know it was wrong. They were Gentile church coming out of sin. They had not been raised under Jewish law. But they had submitted to the government of that law to serve God in righteousness. So, this man marries his mother's wife. His dad's wife, I'm sorry. Today it might be his mother's wife. And uh, so... <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> God, what a messed up world. And uh, so somebody said, that's unscriptural. No, it's not. It's reality today. Now, uh, so he marries his father's wife. And Paul says this, don't you know that that is a sin that even heathens do not succumb to? That is so perverted, even those that are dogs don't go after that bone. And so Paul says, and don't you understand that if you let that in your midst, it will not die, it will not go away, it will leaven the whole bunch. That little bit will pervert the larger, not the larger, sanctifying the smaller. Absolutely not. So it's important that when we think about us being our brother's keepers, that means that we ought to live holy lives, that the devil doesn't have a pathway into us to those that we are associated with. That would be a great part of being our brother's keeper, is that we refuse to let sin dominate our life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 30-something, says that, Good associations or bad associations or uh, relationships corrupt good morals. You say, well, that, uh, it's never going to affect me, said the man that didn't believe God. Yes, it will. You are not invincible. We need to protect what's happening in our lives. Could it get an amen? And you know, there, that is a condition when it says this, that come out from among the unclean thing. Touch, I mean, come out from among them. Touch not the unclean thing. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? Don't you know that this is going to happen? God says, if you come out from among them, I'll be your God. And the other thing is this. If you join yourself back with them, I won't be. There's always a flip side of the coin. If you follow God... And seek him, you'll find him. If you never get up out of bed and never look after him, you're never going to find him. That's the flip side of the coin. Amen? If you are in Christ, the blessings of Abraham will come upon you. If you're not, you'll be cursed. Amen? I, yeah, thank God. Hallelujah. All right. Let's go now to uh, uh, Luke, the 13th chapter. Luke, the 13th chapter. Oh, this, yeah, well, this goes right along. Uh, Luke the 13th chapter and let's look at verse 10 I preach so much about this woman I seem to be like she's my sister and it says this in fact she is hallelujah and uh, he was teaching in the synagogues in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath and behold there was a woman which had a spirit of infirmity 18 years, she was bowed over together and could in no wise lift herself up. And when Jesus saw her, he called her to him, and he said unto her, Woman, thou art loosed from thine infirmity. He laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. And the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. I'm sorry, I was supposed to have somebody read that, but I'm too far now. Indignation because that Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day and said unto the people, 
There are six days in which men ought to work. In them therefore come and be healed and not on the Sabbath day. And the Lord answered him and said, Thou hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath day loose his ox or his ass from the stall and lead him away to watering? And ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan hath bound to these 18 years, be loosed from the bond on the Sabbath day? On the Sabbath day. Who was she associated with? Evidently, somebody that was not preaching Jehovah Rapha. But when called on the carpet, he said, you can come six days a week, be healed anytime. But she had been raised in a church that never challenged faith, always demeaned it, always spoke against it, never talked about healing, never talked about deliverance, never talked about victory. So she became a byproduct of where she was taught. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, we have to make sure that we are in places that are teaching the word and demonstrating the word. Amen. And uh, then another thing is, is that Jesus discerns that this is a spirit. Now, not every sickness is a spirit. But all sickness is oppression of the physical body. Can you be a Christian and be possessed? I don't believe you can unless you, for a long duration, neglect, commit, and continue to live in a godless way. Then the question may even be, were you a Christian? But I do believe that Christians lose their mind. I do believe that Christians get so depressed and so oppressed of their mind that they cannot control their thoughts and so lose all credibility to care for themselves. I do believe that. Now, this woman was oppressed by the devil. What is oppression? Oppression is a disease or a spiritual entity that has taken position of control of a human body, not of a spirit. The body is three parts. You have a spirit, you have a soul, and you have a body. Now, we know that a spirit can dwell in a body and not possess somebody because this woman is delivered from a spirit. Could I get an amen? Amen. I'm not preaching heresy. I'm just looking at the Bible. Pretty, pretty simple. My job is real simple. Just look at the Bible. This woman had a spirit whom Satan had bound. Jesus cast that spirit out, laid hands on the woman, and she was made straight. We know that the man in Mark, the ninth chapter, brought his son to Jesus and said, my son has a deaf and dumb spirit. Well, was his son possessed? No. Did the spirit control certain aspects? Yes, it threw him into the fire, threw him into the water. And so we have to understand that the Bible says that how Jesus was anointed and went about healing all those that were oppressed by the devil. Oppressed by the devil. Not God, by the devil. And the devil is, without a shadow of a doubt, the number one cause and culprit of all sickness and disease. Now, not all sickness and disease has to do with the spirit in the human body. Because there are weaknesses, there are frailties, there are uh, DNA, there are cell uh, structures that break down, and people get sick. And it may not be a spirit, but in the overall picture, it is all the devil. He brought the curse. He brought sin. Could I get an amen? But here it says that this woman had a spirit. We know the young man in uh, 
Mark the ninth chapter. We know that Mark 9, uh, Matthew 9, 29, I think, or 9, 27, that a blind man, Jesus cast out the blind devil and the man saw. Now, it doesn't mean that every blind eye is a spirit. But it does mean that the devil has the potential to enter in, lock on, and control human activity of health to sickness, to bondage, to bind people over, to cripple people, to cause them to go blind. Well, I don't understand that. Well, welcome to the word of faith. You may not understand it, but it's as plain as the nose on your neighbor's face. Could again, amen. That's why sickness is, is it's so, uh, today it's treated with so much melancholy. Well, you know, how, yeah, they got a little cold. It's more than that, folks. The devil is seeding, 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 seeding. And I'm telling you, he is a master of seeding humanity to take over. You remember, how many of you ever would have thought when they passed Roe versus Wade that, oh, you know, man, they're going to be actually taking babies out of the womb and killing them after they're born? Would you ever have thought that? Well, that's what seed did. When we, when we just allow the devil to seed us with this stuff, he's not seeding you for a season. He's seeding you for a demonic end. So when sickness comes, well, you know, well, I got sick. You know how many blind people and deaf people I pray for that had a fever when they were a kid? You know how many deaf and dumb kids, even cripples, that I pray for because they got sick or was in a car accident or something of that nature? Just sickness. I had a cold and I went blind. You say, oh, that's impossible. Well, tell that to the blind people. It's not impossible. Tell that to a diabetic that has just went blind. Mark, where's Mark? Hey, Mark, are you here? Oh, he's counting. Okay. Uh, thank you, Mark. Uh, Mark and I was in Buffalo, New York. They brought this blind woman in. She'd been blind for, I don't know, 15, 20 years. And she had sugar diabetes. And... Uh, she said, she said, I saw myself and I came to a revival and I, I saw a white man pray for me and God opened my blind eyes. And I said, okay. She said, and my sister told me they were having a revival here and there was a white guy there preaching. Oh, well, she's racist. She ain't racist. She's black and I'm white. My God, what is wrong with it? Hello, it's identification. Good night. So I lay hands on her, and I tell that blind devil to come out of her. She sees, and she starts screaming. Oh, my God, I can see you. I can see you. I can see you. God opens up both her blind eyes in a moment of time. Now, did sugar diabetes come from God? No. Where did it come from? A seed. A seed. Listen, you're dealing with diabetes. Diabetes can most of it be reversed by diet and exercise. Now, you can stay on, do whatever you want to do, but you can reverse it. If you stop letting your rear end vacation on the couch and start eating right, you can reverse diabetes. It's not irreversible. But they said, who's they? You can't believe everything they said. I went to a doctor one time and, and uh, uh, he told me, he said, well, my wife watches you on TV. I came home and I told Phil. She said, uh, well, what did he say? I said, he told me I had multiple sclerosis. I said, uh, I just want to let you know, I ain't never going back to that guy again. Absolutely. Why? Well, here it is 25 years later. I'm still walking around. I ain't got no symptoms. I ain't got nothing. He's guessing. So I decided to guess that I didn't have it. 
You can't believe everybody, everything that everybody tells you. Amen? You take your car and they say, well, you need a new motor. Do you just say, go ahead and change it or take it down the road? You take it down the road and get a second opinion. Hallelujah. Now, so physical sickness and disease can have the presence of a devil. And yes, it is in the body. You can cast out a spirit and the person can be healed. Now again, not everything is a devil. But if I was you, I'd be smart enough to say who did this. And let the scriptures tell me where that seed came from. So I could deal with the seed before it became a full-blown battle. Amen? Absolutely. Every cancer starts with a cell. Every disease, every cold starts with a Oh, don't touch me. I don't want germs on my hand. Well, how about treating every symptom the same way? But this, say this. I don't want the devil in me. All righty. Hallelujah. Thank God. Praise God. Let's go to uh, James 3. Can I have James 3, uh, 16? Uh, what is it? James 3. Uh, yeah. Would you read that for me? Who is a wise man and a dude with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye are bitter, envying, and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This is wisdom, descending not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is con confusion and every evil work. Who is behind confusion? the devil so if you could confuse the human mind overwhelm it with whatever you want to flood in there and the mind became preoccupied with the influx of knowledge or influx of a situation or whatever that would cause confusion wouldn't it and people could when they got confused they could lose the basic ability to comprehend or to deal with life. Left long enough, it could break down parts of the brain and people could become stressed, anxiety, filled with anxiety, and even fear, worry. Now, what happens to that mind? That mind, anxiety, Worry, stress, all leads to a family of depression. Of depression. You, you go to any psychiatrist or anything like that, they're going to tell you the same thing. These are all in a family. They mate one with another. They breed off of each other. And so you could get worried. You could get depressed. What do depressed people do? Think negative. They can't lay hold of joy. They almost become hopeless. Therefore, they become faithless. And very vulnerable to the devil. Very vulnerable to the devil. And depression is not always a spirit. Depression many times is just a weakness in the human mind. In the brain itself. And, you know, it, I believe that it can be healed by faith. They have medications. I wouldn't get on them because, you know, they'll make you gain weight, go sterile, and those are depressing things. I mean, I've seen it, uh, the commercial said, you know, the, if you are still depressed after you're on depressant medicine, please tell your doctor about this. Then it says real fat. You may gain weight. You may go uh, uh, encounter 
E-D. You may, and I told Phil, my God, if I was already depressed and I had that, Lord, that would lead to suicide. Who would take that? But people think that medicine is always the cure. Medicine is not always the cure. Understand, God is the cure. Listen, you live in a temple created in the image of God. And it will help you live healthy if you'll help it. Amen. Hallelujah. So there is depression. And depression is simply the inability to think the way that you need to think. And so the Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 8, look, you need to think on these things. You need to think on good things, joyful things, holy things, true things. And so when we can't do that, what do we do? If there's going to be any praise or any manifestation or any flow of virtue in your life, you're going to have to think on these things. Because when the devil starts feeding those thoughts, as a man starts thinking, that's what he becomes. Proverbs 23, 7. So we have to guard our mind. And we have to stay mentally healthy and mentally aware. And so you can have oppression in the physical body, which has to do with sicknesses and diseases. And remember, those are spiritually discerned. There are times when I've tried to cast out a deaf devil, and it just never come out. And I would say, man, what is going on? Then I'll ask the people, when did they go deaf or how did they go deaf? They say, well, they were, in a, uh, they were sick when they were a child and they lost their hearing. Then I know now I'm dealing with the spirit of infirmity that is cloaking itself as something else. But you can only do that by discerning of spirits. And so we have to be careful. Not everything is a devil. I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you that there is oppression that is in the human body which has to do with the presence of a spirit. And then there are sicknesses and diseases. They're all attributed to the devil, but not every one of them is a spirit. And then we have a, a depression, which has to do with a lording over of the mind, gaining access to control of the human thought. And folks, you get people that are depressed and, and you, you become hopeless. You're like cisterns with a crack in it. You hear about hope, but never able to hold on to it. It leaks out as fast as it comes in. We walk out in parking lots and say, man, I wish that was for me. I wish I could have that. Those are sure signs that your thinking is being manipulated by the devil. Amen. And we need to learn these things because we do need to be casting devils out. Amen. Absolutely. And then let's go to uh, Matthew. Let's go to, oh, I'm sorry. Somebody's supposed to read that for me. Matthew 8, 16, please. When the evening was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word. And healed all that were sick. Go ahead. Read that next verse. That it might be fulfilled that which was spoken by Elias the prophet. Saying himself took our infirmities. And bare our sicknesses. Now here we see that within the realm of healing. By the stripes of Jesus Christ. Prophesied by Isaiah 53. Is the ability to cast out devils. So sickness and using authority to cast out devils are intimately locked one with another. It says that he did that, that it might be fulfilled, which was uh, spoken by Isaiah, that he took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. So casting out devils is as much a part of your redemption and staying free of devils is as much part of your redemption as healing. So we see here that Jesus cast out devils 
How did he do it? By his word. Absolutely. By his word. You have to remind the devil. When Jesus dethroned him over those areas of his life that he was trying to tempt him into, Jesus didn't use mind power. He used the word. And the word, Ephesians 6, 18, is the sword of the spirit. And if you're just going to throw pebbles at the devil, he's not going anywhere. You slap him with the sword, he'll back up. Now, there were... When, when Phyllis was uh, uh, healed of her second disease, uh, and uh, they said there was no hope for her, her body was twisting up, and, and uh, she was getting worse. Every morning, weren't we, baby? Every morning, I'd lay hands on her, and we fought the fight of faith. I'd lay hands on her every morning, and I'd loose the working of miracles, the gifts of healing. I'd loose those into her body. I'd loose the gift of faith. And then every morning I'd turn right around and I'd preach a sermon to the devil. And I'd say, I want to remind you, she's not in the kingdom of darkness. She's in the kingdom of light, love, and life. You have no part in her. You have no place in her. She is the righteousness of God. You have been defeated. Jesus declared that the prince of this world had been cast out and he has nothing in us. And every day you need to prepare a message to preach to the devil. Because he's listening. And he's not going to go out because you're wishing, wanting, hoping, singing, praying. He's not going to do that. You better talk to the devil. Let me say this. Sickness is not a God and man issue. It is a devil and man issue. And if you don't deal with a devil, he's going to stay right where he's at. You know, there are things that you pray for. There are things that you need to fight for. And you don't have to pray, God, help me cast the devil out. God will say, I can't. I had all power. I gave it to Jesus. He got all the power in heaven and earth and under the earth. And you know what? He gave it to the church. He told Paul, you know what? My grace is sufficient for thee. You better fight your own fight. Because you're asking me to do something I can't do. You mean it's impossible for God not to be able to do something? Yes. He can't save an unrepentant sinner. He can't answer a prayer of unbelief. He can't place where faith, where a person's heart is filled with fear. Come on, there are lots of things that God can't do. People say God's in control. I wish you'd get a hold of half the church. Starting with me. Now, I wouldn't have to work so hard if God had just take, become my co-pilot. God's not a co-pilot. He's, in, he's on the back wing of my car. He says he's always speeding. Get ready to jump off. I'm not proud of that, but it, it's, I drive 78. I put my cruise on 78, haven't been, ever been pulled over. I just wave to him and smile. Hallelujah. I think half of that is favor. Some of it is devils. Some of it is sleeping policemen. But whatever. I haven't got a ticket. Hallelujah. And Phyllis told me, honey, you can drive. The speed limit is as fast as you want to go until you get pulled over. So I took her word. So if God ever says, son, why did you speed all that time? I'll say, it was a woman thou gavest me. Get right back to the garden. I tell you, I don't know why you haven't made them extinct. All right. All right. So we see that Jesus cast out devils and he healed. He cast out devils by his word. You're going to have to talk to the devil, folks. Don't let him talk to you. You talk to him. Amen. I had a guy tell me one time, I go out to the barn every night and, and I, I talk to these demons and find out what they're doing. <laughs> I said, what is wrong with you? You know they're lying to you. Oh, I never thought about that. I thought, I thought son, you are way out of your league. And after I met his wife, I realized why he went out there and talked to the devil. <laughs> anyway, moving right along. So, 
The Bible says in Matthew 4, 23 and 24 that Jesus cast out devils and he healed the sick. People can become so depressed that they lose their ability to control life or to manage their activity. And people can become possessed. And you have to be able to discern the difference. The difference. And uh, there was a young man. Do you know Steve in the kitchen? Uh, did he tell you about that lady I was praying for and that devil stuff? <laughs> here come this woman. She's all crippled up. I mean, she, she, her neck, she can't move her neck. She got braces. She's walking with a big staff. Mom and dad are helping her. And I said, well, what happened to you? And she said, uh, I, I was in a car accident. And I haven't been able to walk or move or anything since that accident. So I said, okay. So I started praying for her. And all of a sudden, I sense this is not an accident. This is the devil. I said, you devil. Well, that woman that couldn't move her neck and move. She took all over. Steve was standing there. He said, oh, my God. He's holding the camera. I don't think he caught any of it on the camera. He said, my God. He said, I got so scared. He said, then God asked me, what are you scared about? He said, man, I just ain't never seen nothing like that in my life. Well, after she's done ripping everything and tearing everything, making a mess out of the prayer line, she said, oh, my God. I'm, oh, my God, I'm healed. If it hadn't been for discerning of spirits, that woman still would have been bound. But thank God for his mercy and grace. So I'm telling you that we need to know these things. The devil will take advantage of any weakness. He took advantage in that accident. Whether it was through fear. I don't know what it was from. Doesn't matter. Because he's gone now. He's homeless. He lives in southern Mexico without a house. And uh, so... We do run into people that are demon-possessed. The Christian, though, can be depressed and oppressed, but not possessed. That doesn't mean that he can't be controlled, because he can. But he cannot be possessed. And there's a grave difference. So, we learned some things about the devil tonight. Now, you go and you use your faith, praise God, and you start casting them out. Well, what if it don't work? You, worst thing that happened, end up streets of Walpole, buck naked. But you'll have learned something. You'll have learned something. Look, don't be afraid of the devil. Don't be afraid of him. He's a defeated foe. And if you don't get results, you'll learn something. Praise God. You'll learn something. You go back in. And you start using your faith to get a hold of power. And power comes through fasting to break bands of wickedness, to undo every heavy burden, to let the oppressed go free, and that every yoke be broken. Those are dimensions of power that can only be obtained through fasting. And the more that you get closer to God and spend longer times of period, power and favor an influence of the Holy Ghost is infused, as it were, in your being. It is the essence of the presence of God. They took note that they had been with Jesus. The essence of his